freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcast subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode, it's the Sibling Happy Hour. I'm here with my sis, Jay Andrea. We're going to be talking about affirmative action, Biden and homelessness, and an anti-trans bill blocked by a Trump appointee. But first things first. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouthwater and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations, finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives.
What up, sis? How are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the intro, the reason why my sister asked that, ladies and gentlemen, because I, I whiffed a couple of times on the intro. I don't typically whiff on the intro. The intro is typically a boom. I go right into it and it's done. But this yeah. time it took a couple of takes. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm flustered today. I got a lot of emotions going on with me today. There's a lot of things happening right now. A lot of stuff going on. Do you want to you want to talk about it? No. Uh, well, okay. uh, we we gonna talk about it. Yes. <laughs> we gonna talk about it. So, <laughs> so, so yes, I, I do want to talk about it. But how are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling real good. Uh, if anybody is interested, I don't know that you are, but I'm down forty pounds. Boom! Look, somebody actually, a couple of my clients were asking today, "How's your sister doing?" And I was like. Dad told me that you hadn't been going on the scale because you didn't yes. want to, you didn't want to. And I get that as a fitness professional. I sometimes tell clients, don't get on the scale because yeah. that weight is going to, you, you might lose fast and then it'll plateau mm-hmm. or you may, it may take a little while to lose and then you, sh- it just comes off and I'm like, don't pay attention to the scale. Pay attention to how you feel, how your clothes fit right. but 40 pounds. Congratulations. If I had a clapping button, you. I think I do have a clapping button on here, but I don't know how to work it. And we're not about to play with we this We don't stuff need right to experiment now. with that. That's fine. I don't, I don't need that level of validation, but I do feel good. Um, you know, back pain, loosen it up. You know, I'm noticing I got more endurance um, and things like that. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Good. If Look anybody at this, out, out there, there that's wondering. Look at that. My sister out here losing weight. Shit, I need to be. I uh, I just said my first S word of the and my first and only S word. Yeah, I need to be right behind you because uh, I need to peel off a couple of these pounds my damn self. But uh, I've been sick for basically a month yeah. off and yeah. on, so I haven't had that opportunity to hit the gym like I want to. But I'm really right. proud of you because I know you've been hitting the gym, hitting it. Uh, yes, it's not that hard. It's in it's in my basement, so it's not that difficult. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our brother has really built a gym that I could work out in. Yeah, it's yes, a real gym down yeah, there. It's a real, uh, it's, a, it's a real pandemic gym. Like if you can't go to a gym, it's this the gym. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be a fun rec room, but uh, it's become a gym. And <laughs> well, so, this you know there's plenty of space to to put rec yeah, stuff down. Yeah, there's still more space. Um and you know, it's not really finished yet, so it's fine. It, yeah. It's fine. And uh and I appreciate it, so Yeah. I'm happy he bought all that stuff so I didn't have to. Right. Shout out to our brother. Our brother, I just literally got off the phone with him. He called me cuz he's at mom's house right now cleaning mm-hmm. out that garage. And more power to him cuz I'm not going in that garage. I had to go probably it was like a year ago to clean out a bunch of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I had stored in mom's garage. But I was like, look, I'm only going in here one time. It's spiderwebs in there. That's what I was, that's where I was waiting for. The spiders. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the spiders. You there's a go. lot of spiders up in there. A yeah. lot of them. Like, <laughs> it's a, a well, it's a detached garage. Like it's right. going to be full of spiders. I don't and know what no, to tell you about and that. And mom doesn't park the car in there. Like nothing, like it doesn't go, no, nobody hardly ever goes in there. It's just yeah. been used as a storage thing, but he's in there cleaning it out. Yes. So 
He did that. <laughs> he did that for my basement. Um, he he uh, power washed the floor um, and put an epoxy down and did a whole. He did a whole bunch of stuff down in the basement. So um, he kills the spiders. Yeah, there are there are spiders. He yeah, I hear and them down snakes. there. There are no snakes. There are no snakes well, in my house. Well, the snakes outside of your house. There are snakes outside of my house, but yes, my house is backed up to the woods. So there's going to be some snakes. There's all kind of various lizards. I think I saw a coyote once. I'm not a hundred percent sure. You got the teenage mutant ninja turtles back there. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Sp- yeah. Splinter and them, Shredder. I seen them all. Was uh, Splinter was a rat? Yeah, I said I seen them all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said what um, I said. <laughs> our brother has uh our brother should really be doing that should be i mean he he's a for real professional but like he could legitimately yeah. start a a company that's just like hey we're gonna go through and do trash removal and, and gut yeah. your place and clean yeah. it out yeah yeah like he, he he's good at that type of stuff so shout out to him uh let's let's stop all the diddly daddling what do you, what is your obsession with the word dilly dallying? Because this know. is now the third or third time I think that you've used it. Yeah, and I, I gotta say I'm not a fan. Well, I'm just showing my age. That's all. I, yeah. I'm, I'm embracing my age. That's that's what it is. Like, I, you're not old. Uh, I'm not young. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know what I am, but I'm just, not just alive. There's a there's a there's an age where you're not old, you're not young, you're just kind of alive, and I think that's that's where you're just an adult. Yeah, I'm a full fledged yeah. adult, except yeah. for the fact that I still like video games, cartoons, superheroes. Well, you know where that comes from? Where it comes from being denied these things as children. But we weren't. I wasn't denied these things. But a lot of people in their adult life buy all the stuff that the, your parents used to say, you got McDonald's money, you got video game money, you got this. So now that we do have the money because we are adults now, there's nobody telling us we can't have these things because we don't have McDonald's money. And so now we're going out and we're buying the things. Yeah, I get it. That was uh, that my Jordan my Jordan obsession I had for years that I, mm-hmm. the pandemic stopped that. Yeah. What stopped my Jordan addiction was the pandemic. It got harder and harder to get these shoes at regular costs. And I would have to get them at markup of a hundred dollars, sometimes more. And I was like, you know what? I barely even wear the shoes anymore. Cause I don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's also getting to the point where I'm probably too old to be wearing them. Even though I still, when I, You're when we were, I'm bordering. And, and, and not because like, I feel like there's an age attached to sneakers, but because those are not, you know, orthotic. They're not, <laughs> listen, you gonna mess around, get some heel spurs and look, stuff like messing with them sneakers all the time. Look, you better get you some orthotics. Jordan is not a sponsor, so I can say that them shoes are not comfortable. No. And 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 they don't and look you comfortable. Don't, and you don't want to scuff them, so you walk real gingerly, mm-hmm. like like. Uh, anyway, but once again, I said diddly daddly. Okay, Ned Flanders, it's dilly dallying. Uh, okay, whatever. 
let's get to the major announcement today. Like I said, we mm-hmm. filmed the episodes on Thursday. It airs on Friday. And the major episode was basically Supreme Court striking down affirmative action Yes, as far as being used for college admittance. Yes. So according to the Washington Post, the Supreme Court on Thursday held that race conscious admissions programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina violate the Constitution's guarantee of equal protection. This is a historic ruling rolling back decades of precedent. And I honestly... I think it's time we we start investing in our HBCUs, y'all. Like, you know, we got some strong HBCUs that are really churning out some amazing graduates. Uh, I went to one for one year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was one year. It was one year. Uh, and then I came home for various reasons. But uh, we need to start investing in our HBCUs. I, and I'm I, interested to see what this will, the what effect this will have on particularly white women. It won't have any effect on white women, none, um, because it wasn't uh, it, the only the race part of affirmative action was struck down, not the gender That's part. That's right. So, 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 so this was specifically to disenfranchise black and Latinos. Uh, well, oh. So, ladies and gentlemen, my sister wanted to talk about this issue, and it is an important issue. I mm-hmm. want somebody that has a legal background who is unbiased to come on the show to really break down the legal aspects yeah. of what's going on here. Because it's complicated. It's extremely, extremely complicated. And, and we truly don't know what the impact will be. My question is, is there really going to be an impact on, and you can, when you have the show uh, with your expert, is there really going to be an impact on private institutions? I think um, when I have that show, when I find the right lawyer, um, and when I have that show, you should be on because you this you have very strong and good questions yeah. to ask about this. So let's not let's not focus on the legal aspect of it. Right. Let's focus on the societal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, and and let's get to the heart. Let's get to the heart of the issue. Um, and there's several different aspects that I just want to bounce off with you. I got a feeling that this segment is going to run long and that's okay. Uh, bear with me here, ladies and gentlemen, there's a couple of different ways that I want to attack this argument. I'm going to first start with Clarence Thomas. (sighs) Okay. He was second in running and writing the dissent Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it's important to understand his thought process and a lot of things that he does. So in his autobiography, My Grandfather's Son, Thomas says his degree from Yale Law School, he graduated in 1974, was mm-hmm. never taken seriously because of affirmative action. He harbors a lot of resentment, resentment, animus towards uh, affirmative mm-hmm. action because once he got that degree and he's going to law firms for interviews, he got a lot of backlash from white people saying, well, you're obviously not this smart. Mm. You didn't get, obviously you got these grades because of affirmative action, which. And that's a real action, thing that happens. That's a real it, thing that happens. It, it is a real, it happens. It happened it's, to me. 
it's at the, the University whole, of Maryland. It's the whole point of them bringing the case to the Supreme Court. Well, I'm going to get into it's, that in a yeah. minute because there's there's a lot of people just think there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on with this suit. But let's just focus on black people and affirmative action. Mm-hmm. You went to Maryland. I went to Maryland. I remember distinctly people asking me at Maryland. So like, are you here? Cause like on an athletic scholarship or something, mind mm-hmm. you, yes, I am tall compared to the average human being, mm-hmm. right? I am tall, but at the university of Maryland, I'm the same height as shout out to Steve Blake, uh, who, who was a friend of mine at the university of Maryland, randomly met him like the first week of school at, in the lunchroom, just asked him and drew Nicholas, Hey, can I sit here and eat with you guys? And, and found out that they played on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. They're they're my height. They yeah. were guards, small guards. Steve went on to have a good career in the NBA, really solid player in the NBA. But when you look at it from the standpoint of did I play there for athletics? I'm a small guard yeah. in collegiate and NBA. So to a normal person, I'm tall. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're looking at athletes on this campus, I'm not big. No. You're asking that question because I'm black. Now, white people will say, because I've brought this up before, and it was like, why don't you think they just said it because I was tall? No, because I'm not, I'm normally tall. If I was 6'8", 6'9", okay, I get it. If I was as big as I am now, now I'm built like a football player. But back then, like I was 200 pounds soaking wet. Like I was not big. Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't look like an athlete. I didn't. Well, maybe I did look. I always have an athletic build, but no, it, they didn't ask me that because I look like an athlete. They asked me that because I was black because it was specifically white people asking me that and people, white people, specifically because just like the term woke, just like uh, social programs like welfare, f- food stamps, housing support has been co-opted by uh, rich white people Mm -hmm. of saying that this is something that minorities use. These are entitlement programs. They use those words specifically, entitlement programs for them. Which is statistically untrue. Statistically untrue, but it's it's that narrative that they use. So they use the narrative of affirmative action to basically mean quotas, which they're two completely different things. Quota Mm -hmm. is not a thing. It hasn't mm-hmm. been a thing for a very, very long time. Quote is, is there is no token black person in a, in a corporation anymore or in a school that that isn't a thing. And they equate that to affirmative action. So white people are thinking, well, if that's the case, then that spot's being taken away from me and I'm more deserving of that. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why they say, and, and mind you, I'm not saying all white people are like this. But this, in this particular argument, yeah, this is a white person-based argument. You're talking about political white. Yeah. Um, that's their point of view. Like, oh, this is a spot that should be mine is taken away, which should not be yours. And, and the merit of which this spot has been not given, taken by a minority. And when I mean taken, not literally taken from you, taken as they gripped it and they grabbed it from your clutches because they were so exceptional that they 
that universities had no choice but to say, no, nah, we got to let this dude in. Mm-hmm. We got to let this female in because they're exceptionally better. Look at where they came from. But that's been the argument. Yes, that's been the narrative. That's been the narrative. Uh, What do you think about what I just said? As far as looking at it from Justice Thomas' perspective, where he was just like, see, they use this against us. Um, I think, honestly, and I... Uh, my stomach is churning as I say this. I think that's a fair point. However, that's a fair point on an individual standpoint. But what we're talking about is a political issue. And again, this is somebody taking a political issue and personalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, you have exceptional people of Black, Indigenous, and people of color applying to institutions of higher education and being denied on the basis of race. The only thing affirmative action says is that you are no longer able to do that. Thank you. Say that again for the people. Say that again for the people who don't understand, who think affirmative action is based off of quotas. Affirmative Affirmative action is not saying you have to admit a certain number of black people what affirmative action says is you're no longer to dis- no longer able to discriminate against students on the basis of race so what does striking down affirmative action now mean so not only does striking down affirmative action have this resulting consequence but also you notice the concerted effort against DEI yes that's happening in education now as well. There is not not just that, but this this issue with CRT, even though CRT is not taught in elementary or middle schools or high Once schools. Once again, the narrative. The it's narrative. a narrative. This, this um, battle against teaching Black and African-American history, it is a concerted effort on several fronts to whitewash our education system and to push certain people, particularly black, Latin and indigenous folks out of, and when I say Latin, I also, I mean, black, black and indigenous uh, because there are white, white Latinos. So, and you know, the Ted Cruz's are not included in this argument, but. I guarantee um, he uses Latino when it benefits him. Sure. When it benefits him. Yeah. When it benefits him, but it, uh, I'm rarely does he lean into that. I, I've, I've re- I have not seen any evidence of him leaning into it, no. aside from where he goes on vacation. I've um, <laughs> <laughs> just not, just not seen it. So um, it is a concerted effort to push out black and indigenous people from our education system from the narrative of this country, from the fabric of this country. So I'm going to piggyback what you just said with a statistic. But before I say that, once again, for those people out there listening, explain to them how affirmative action is used in the college admittance admittance, uh, situation. I know I said that really eloquently, but y'all know I was trying to say. Let's move on. You almost you almost cuss. I uh, almost. You caught it. I caught it. Yeah, I caught it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So 
historically, I'll say it again, historically, you have people of color, Black, Indigenous, and people of color who applied for admission into higher education who were denied solely on the basis of their race, solely. So affirmative action does what? Affirmative action just says you are no longer able to do that. You are no longer able to prohibit the, the entrance of eligible students, the scholars, into your institution solely on the basis of their race. And what is it not again? It's not a quota. It's not a quota. Okay. And California, which ended its policies on affirmative action 25 years, years ago, the studies show that without affirmative action, Black enrollment plummets, Latino enrollment plummets, AAPI enrollment goes up a little bit, and we'll get into AAPI, what that is. AAPI enrollment goes up a little bit, and whites flood the remaining opportunities. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean in the context, Jay, of what you just described, what affirmative action actually is, Yeah, as opposed to what the narrative is? Affirmative action is a protection for Black, Indigenous, people of color. It is protection. It is not a disenfranchisement of white and Asian people. So for those a- so for those people who are going to use those statistics to say, see, when you get rid of affirmative action, more white people get in because less opportunities are taken away from them. That is incorrect because affirmative action never took away opportunities for white people. What they what it did was is give more opportunities to black and Latino people because now they could not be discriminated against based on their race. That's the reason why when you take away affirmative action, you see a decrease in enrollment for black and Latino people, and you see an increase in enrollment for white people. Why? Because now you can discriminate against them based on race. Right. And so what I would like to know in that statistic is what are the rates of applications? Mm. Is it still the same number of Black and Indigenous people applying to the universities, but not gaining admittance? Yeah, I don't. I really had that statistic out here, so you right. just hit me for that. Right, no, I mean, I'm just, no, just putting that question out yeah, into the ether. Yeah. Oh Lord, um, you know what we're gonna get back on this. Just, just just by putting that question out. Oh, and, man. And you, just, you know what you just did? You know what you just did? Uh, so get some hateration back, in this dancery. But going back on the race and gender aspect of how they got rid of the race aspect of affirmative action, not the gender aspect of affirmative action. Because once again, when the, the narrative has always been affirmative action is about race. No. Affirmative action has been about race, sex, and gender. Mm-hmm. That's what affirmative action has always been about. There's a reason why affirmative action wasn't specifically done after the 14th Amendment, which is what Justice Roberts based his decision on. And and I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to get into that with a legal expert to really break that down for me. But affirmative action was was implemented in the 60s, Mm. in the 60s, during the civil rights movement. You know what's also going on during that movement? Women's rights. Yeah. 
So affirmative action was for race, gender, and sex. I had to explain this to a young white lady in my government class in 2001 at the University of Maryland when we were arguing affirmative action. And she was like, I don't understand why we need it. She was basically using the narrative that it's race-based. And I said, you're probably in this institution because of affirmative action. She said, I'm not black. She said black, right? Mm -hmm. She didn't say person of color because it's 2001 or two. So she said black. Right. And I said, oh, you don't know affirmative action is gender as well and sex. So it helps women. To, to prove this point, historically, the ben- the primary beneficiaries of affirmative action have been white women. Mm-hmm. Women held only 35% of bachelor degrees before, before, before affirmative action. When affirmative action was introduced, you saw an increased enrollment of women in general enrollment in college, so much so that now women, more specifically white women, outpace men as far as admittance into institutions and graduation rates. Yeah. So don't worry, women, white women out there, when you say it doesn't affect me. It will, because now the argument can't be used, this black person took my spot. The next argument will be, this woman took my spot. Now we need to strike this down as well. I thought that solved the problem when we got rid of race. No, we didn't get rid of all affirmative action. Gender is next. It's a, I'm telling you, it will happen. It will happen because you yeah. can't use people of color to say anymore, they took my spot. Right. You can't use it. Um, this is the thing. And I, I've I've said this before that the things that benefit the folks at the bottom, the benefits trickle up. Yes. So when you get rid of, we're we're saying this with the striking down of Roe v. Wade, right? When you get rid of the protections for the people at the bottom, you think it's going to benefit the people at the top. But what you're going to find is that the people at the bottom are the base. They're the foundation. And if that erodes, the whole house of cards comes down. Mm -hmm. So this will have a much larger effect in the long term than they think it's going to have. Yeah. And so we're going to sit back and watch and kiki um, because at the end of the day, black folks, indigenous folks, we're going to be all right. Like we're going to be here. We're going to be here. We are not going anywhere and we are going to keep excelling we are going to keep thriving in spite of listen hey we used to be enslaved in this country mm-hmm. do you really think that this is enough to slow us down or to take us down it's truly not can't nobody hold us down oh no oh, no because we, we got, got to keep to. on moving we got, look I, you would think, but this is the this is also the fear, right? Mm-hmm. The fear by by people that look at this and and and, w- and ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress enough. I, I have to keep reiterating: we are not attacking all white people here. We're not. I'm specifically We're not attacking, attacking white a, people at all because well, no, this I'm attacking wasn't, a specific. This wasn't brought by white people. Nope. 
it was it, brought by white people. It was, it was. behind, it, yes. Yeah, well, behind we, the scenes. Well, you Hold and on. I know that. <laughs> All right, look, ladies and gentlemen, this segment is running long. I'm going to end it with this, and we're going to continue on with this in the second segment and then get to the other stuff. But I, this is what I will say before we end this segment. I'm not attacking all white people. I'm attacking white not. supremacy. I'm attacking white supremacy and I'm attacking rich white people because if anybody studies the history of this country, rich white people have always pit others against others. Mm-hmm. When we t- think of the term white, white is an American term. Yes. White was not established in the European countries. No. It was well, established were, here in America as, as they settled, mm-hmm. right? When you were over in European countries, you weren't as white. As they black, colonized. Or, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> when, you, you, when you were over in European countries before, uh, before America was discovered, for those people watching on YouTube, I'm putting down quotation marks because people was already here in America. Before mm-hmm. America discovered, there was no white. You were British or French or Italian or or Moroccan, like that's what you were. There wasn't, there wasn't a color thing. A color thing established itself here in this country in the 1600s. It was established basically in Virginia during the Bacon Revolution. Now I can get into the history of Bacon Revolution, but y'all just Google it because it's going to take too long to explain it. But basically, this is basically what happened. Black people and indentured white servants joined together to start a revolt. Mm-hmm. When you read about who they revolted against, you you realize how rich white people will pit minorities against each other because what they were really doing were attacking Native Americans and running them off to steal their land. But it scared the hell out of rich white elites to realize that enslaved black people and white indentured servants could join together to revolt against a class of people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because maybe, just maybe, they could revolt against them. That's when they established what white was. Right. Okay? And then they they started to do away with indentured servitude and ramp up slavery to put a divide between what was white and what was black saying basically white was superior, black was inferior. So it didn't matter if you were a poor white person, you always felt that you were more inferior than a black person, despite the fact that when black people were freed, poor white people and black white people were in the same boat. They had more in common than white, poor white people had with rich white people. Yeah. But rich white people always had the narrative to say, well, you're white, you're better than them. They're taking your jobs. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound yeah. like what's happening right now with the invasion? Once again, quotations with the invasions of migrants. They're taking your jobs. They're not mm-hmm. taking your jobs. No. Rich white people, once again, are telling you what the narrative is. So I'm not attacking white people. I'm not attacking white people as a whole. I'm attacking rich white elite that want to paint a narrative to maintain power. And that's what's been happening in this country since the beginning of its quote unquote discovery. And if you go back and look at 
every single war that we fought, French and Indian War, right? Then after that, look at who side the other person was on. Mm. We would often merge, white, white Europeans would often merge with a particular group to fight another group. And then the next war was against a group that they merged with to further divide. Mm-hmm. Go do a Google search, Wikipedia of all the US wars. And it's it's and it's they were our partners once, now we're fighting against them. They were our partners once, now we're fighting against them over and over and over and over and over, all the way up to the Civil War. And ladies and gentlemen, we ain't done with affirmative action. We can continue on in the next segment. Quit being born with your lazy ass, just eating dinner and watching TV every night. We're going to change it up tonight. Next time, pull out a Wongo puzzle and enjoy the conversation and fun that happens when people puzzle together. Wongo is a perfect balance of good challenge without being so hard you stop talking to each other and leave your family forever. I know I'm close to that almost every time me and my family get together. Trust me, once you try Wongo, you'll never go back to that boring, old-ass jigsaw puzzle. They are 100% wooden pieces so they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn so no two pieces are the same and you'll discover some fun whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shape, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I love doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have to worry about it being on the table for a week. Well, not on the table, on the floor. And definitely not for a week because crypto would mess it up. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code unsolicited to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use code unsolicited to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. All right, Jay. I know we we said that we was just going to touch on the, the affirmative action case, Not but I we, went on a way. You, you I know, said I, I, know, I did. I did. But this is but literally it's, it, it's it's an important topic and it's a sensitive one. Um, so I understand. It, it's you know, I say it's my thesis on America. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about you know Trump is running the deep state. And and this and that. And it's like you're part of the deep state because what what they talk about is in controlling this country are really the rich elite. And I'm going to say majority white because the majority of this country's wealth is maintained by white people. But there are absolutely rich black folks that are perpetuating those white supremacist ideals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And Clarence Thomas is one of them. I understand yes. that he felt bad that that he thought affirmative action tarnished his law degree. But you don't climb the ladder and then pull the ladder up. Right. OK, don't climb. You don't understand if for those people that don't understand what I mean by that is he climbed the ladder. He made it. And instead of keeping that ladder there so that the next people could make it as well, he decided to pull this ladder up. Mm-hmm. And say, well, no, we're going to make it harder for you when it was easier for me. But 
Such when a I boomer talk, thing to do, by the way. True. True that. It's also his generation. But when I say the money behind the scenes and we say the AAPI who, who originally brought this suit, and do you want to explain to the people what the AAPI is? Asian American Pacific Islander? Yes. So that so when we say AAPI, that's what we mean. Okay. So it was a group of people in the AAPI community that brought together this suit. And you say, well, well, if they're being discriminated against, they're people of color. True. True. But it was backed by Ed Bloom. Who is Ed Bloom? He's a conservative legal strategist known for his activism against affirmative action based mm -hmm. on race and ethnicity. Notice what I said there. He is mm -hmm. against affirmative action based off of race and ethnicity, not gender. He's a white man. So mm -hmm. he still wants to make sure the white women are taken care of. Well, until it impacts him. Right. But he's the one who connects potential plaintiffs with attorneys who are willing to represent them in test cases, which he tries to use to set a legal precedent to combat affirmative action. He is the director and he is the sole member of the Project of Fair Representation, which was an organization that was founded by him because he's a sole movement. And according to its website, the project focused specifically on voting, education, contracting, employment, racial quotas, and racial reparations. And since the 1990s, he's been heavily involved in bringing eight cases to the U.S. Supreme Court to combat affirmative action. Hmm. So when I say to you, this is about the rich white elite putting groups against one another mm -hmm. to make sure that they maintain power. He knew that he could never win this case if he kept bringing around just plain old white people arguing that this was racist. So right. what he did was, is he chose people in the AAPI to bring about mm -hmm. this case because they're people of color, technically, as far as the United States is concerned, and mm -hmm. they're being discriminated against. And that's how money and power influence policy in this country. Which is absolutely ridiculous because... <laughs> The, you know, the guy's position, I forgot his name, whoever the, the kid was who brought it, uh, who was the lead plaintiff in this suit, is that he got like nearly a perfect score on his SAT or he maybe he got a perfect score and he had a four point a million GPA or whatever. And he applied to MIT and Caltech and all these places and he didn't get in. Well, do you understand that the people who apply to MIT and Caltech are this country and, well, actually the world's valedictorians. Right. Every one of them. It's the best nobody of the best. It's the best of the best. Nobody is applying to MIT with a C average. I mean, they, there might be some people that apply. They dumb. <laughs> <laughs> They're hoping to slide under the radar, but nobody's applying to Caltech not having scored perfectly on their math, on the SATs. So you're up against students who have the exact same profile as you. And you know what the difference for college admittance is for a lot of these people where the test scores are the same? Your extracurricular activities. Right. You know, that was one of the things that the guidance counselor used to tell us 
when we were in high school, like your grades could be great, but your grades are, you know, you're competing against other people who have good grades too. They want, colleges want well-rounded student body. Maybe your essay was trash. Maybe Mm. your essay was trash. Maybe they don't care that you played tennis. Right. Or golf. Especially if you just, maybe nobody cares that you ran cross country, which isn't even a tryout. You just automatically on the team. Right. If you You could just run for an extended period of time. Right. Like there's criteria for all this. Jay, I'm going to let you go ahead and wrap up this last bit of affirmative action because we have 40 minutes and we got two other topics to talk about and we ain't going to go. I, I Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, let me just point this out there. There will be no episodes next week. This is the last episode until July the 11th. And we're not going to run extra long, but maybe we might run a little long to give you a little bit more. But we are off next week. We're yes. taking a vacation. Sweet it's a holiday. Lord, yes. It's uh, You don't even work that much. I do way more work for the network than you do. You come I'm once just, a week. Listen, it's a lot. It ain't a lot. I'm doing way more than you. I work hard. I didn't say you don't. Yeah, I work kind of. I do work. Well, I'm taking a miniature vacation. Uh, for those of you that, that know that listen to the podcast, my birthday is coming up. It's also the 4th of July. I'm going to chill. I'm going to take a little break. But don't worry. We'll be back that Tuesday 11th with another interview and then back with the sibling happy hour, which would be uh, the 14th, I guess. Yes, I don't know because I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it'll be the 14th. Tuesday yes. is the 11th. Yeah. Friday be the 14th. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to let you have the last parting shots because I just said everything I had to say about affirmative action. And it was a lot more than what I originally intended. Yeah, I mean, it was the whole damn show. You said <laughs> we were all going to touch on it. Um, no, I really don't. I really don't have that much to say. Um, but the true test will come with these colleges and universities and that just because you don't have the law hanging over your head doesn't mean that you should change anything about your admissions policies. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you're not control unless you're a state school, but I'm specifically talking to private institutions. Like You are not controlled by the state. You're not controlled by the federal government. You can still say that we are not going to use race as a determining factor to exclude people. There you I go noticed right there. I did not say we're not going to use race to include people. We're going to we're not going to use it to exclude them. There you go. Preach. And if you notice that you're still getting the same number of applications from black and indigenous students, but the enrollment numbers aren't matching the, the, the spread of the data from the number of applications. If you notice that your student body is no longer representative of this country as a whole and the, the, the way that it looks culturally, then you need to decide what kind of institution you're trying to run. Oh yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Preach. All right. We're not going to do a segment break. We're going to roll right into homelessness. Yes. Uh, the Biden administration announced more than $3 billion in funding to tackle homeless and homelessness with a focus on veterans. 
I have a lot to say about this, but I'm going to let you take the lead on that since I talked so much about the affirmative action. No, go go ahead. I mean, I guess I don't have a lot. This is cool. Like, we always (laughs) say support the troops. Yes. We always say support the troops. But when people say support the troops, it's just giving more money to the actual military and not actually supporting the veterans. And and this is good because I, I read something last year that the VA got something like 24, 2,400 people that veterans that were homeless in the homes and, and there were still like 400 people that for 24,000, 24,000. Mm-hmm. And it was like 421 actually was homeless after a year or something like that. But still it was getting these veterans out of being homeless. And, and if you talk to homeless, if you don't step over them and actually acknowledge them, you'll find out a lot of them fought for this country. A lot of them are veterans. Yes. A lot of them. Well, the VA actually said that they're on track to rehouse 38,000 veterans this year. That's right. So, Beautiful. Um, the funding is going into supporting rehousing efforts. Um, they have a housing first uh, priority, right? Their main priority is to get veterans housed and then follow up with support services or wrap what they call wraparound services, which is um healthcare assistance, substance abuse assistance, counseling, job training, because what they found is those support services are much cheaper once the person has already been housed. Mm-hmm. And it's and in my opinion, it's easier to keep them in permanent housing if you're providing these support services. So right. the funding is going towards rehousing, but it's also going towards Things like rental assistance, the like I said, these support services. Um, it's it's funding for legal services um, to represent uh, homeless populations and like renter tenant disputes, um, job assistance, things like that. So it's really going to be a comprehensive approach because when I was first reading about it, my concern was how are they going to address the mental health and addiction aspect of Mm -hmm. homelessness, especially among the veteran population. Um, But they, they are making a concerted effort to also include these wraparound services. And there was actually through these programs, through HUD and the VA, uh, a 55% reduction in veteran homelessness in 2010. Um, of course, it stalled under Trump. <sighs> but but Trump but Trump supports the troops. He does not. He well, I maybe guess he supports his, maybe he supports the troops. But when you're no longer a troop and you're a veteran, right? Then he don't give a damn. But I guess that's, I can't that's, make. I, you know I what? I can't make I, a ju- judgment about that. I never thought of the wording of it. Support the troops. Mm-hmm. Like they support you when you actually fight. When you are a troop, yes. But when you ain't fighting no more, mm. they don't really support you. Nobody really. The only person I know that's out there really fighting for veterans, uh, John McCain, who's no longer fighting for veterans, but, oh, but yeah, he was. Rest, he was. Right. 
Rest in power. John Stewart. If your name is John, you out there fighting for veterans. You out there. You out, <laughs> you out there. there. But there's a renewed push under Biden. Um, Biden actually has a goal. It's called All In, the Federal Strategic Plan to Prevent and and homelessness through the uh, U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness. He has a goal, a very lofty goal of reducing homelessness by 25% for all Americans by 2025. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a lofty goal. It's, it's, very, that's, it's, it's, it's lofty, but it's very encouraging. But but this goes back to the, our conversation on homelessness. I don't remember if it was the last episode or if it was two weeks ago. But when we were talking about homelessness, you were saying, you know, you got to pump money into this thing. You got to pump mm-hmm. resources into this thing. And here is President Biden pumping mm-hmm. money and resources into this thing. And I like the way that they framed this, right? Like, let's look at the political way that he framed this. In order to, to get $3 billion, allocate $3 billion of funds, especially when we were just in a um, budget fight a few months mm-hmm. ago, right? Right. To order to allocate this this amount of money, he specifically... The, the, he specifically... First thing he says is veterans. Yes. Veterans, 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 veterans. And then in the back end, he is like, all homelessness. Right? So when you say something like, hey, we're going to help veterans, who the hell is going to say, well, no, I don't agree with that? It's very unlikely that you'll have a partisan fight. Right. And But don't let me like sugarcoat that we absolutely like i don't i don't like to put hierarchies on who should get help first mm-hmm. but like i'm one of those people if you fall for this country you did something that i'm not capable of doing oh i'm Same. capable of doing i'm not willing to do it yeah you come home there should never be any reason why you should be homeless on food stamps on assistance of any needs, the government should be taking care of you. Yes. So when he says veterans, 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 everybody is on board, and then he slips in all homelessness. <laughs> and, I, and and only a career politician could really, really get that because yeah. some of these young politicians was like, we need to end all homelessness. And you can, you can make that a partisan issue. But when yes. you say veterans, if you attack veterans in this country, you're automatically a pariah. So that was some smooth, look, y'all might think Joe is old and he is, but he's still kind of sly. Yeah. He's still kind of sly. Yeah. Because you have, you have some conservatives, including ones who were appointed under Trump, who believe that housing is, is an entitlement is, is, is not a right. Um, And so to you know you got to be you got to be slick about it old you Joe. Oh Joe. They use they used to call it. Bill Slick Willie, but we might have to call Joe Slick Joe. Slick Joe. They used to call him Crazy Joe, now they go call him Batman. Okay, that's a reference from a movie from the 1980s starring Morgan Freeman. Was I alive? I don't know. Yes. Lean on me. Ah. Uh, Joe Clark. Anyway. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Homelessness in America. Joe Biden. 
You got any more things you want to talk about as far as that? This show is going to be disjointed because I'm already on vacation, ladies and gentlemen. In your mind, you're on vacation. I, yes. on my, in my mind, I'm on vacation right now. No, I'm not going it's, nowhere, but no, I'm just on it's, vacation. It, it's finally good news. Um, no, it is good so news. I'm excited to see what HUD and the VA and the um, the interagency council, which the U.S. interagency council is like nine different, nineteen different federal agencies on this council, who did really some extensive research and work into what are some really strategic and more efficient ways that we can combat homelessness on a on a large scale, but also permanently. And obviously the solution is housing. It's been difficult. There is a challenge because there's a nationwide shortage of low income housing. Um, but they're going to work it out. You, When you got $3 billion, you can figure it out. You can or figure you can it out. Find, or you can find housing. You can find it. But speaking of good news, there was some more good news. Some oh, more good news coming out of Tennessee. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Yes. A yes. federal judge blocked Tennessee's ban on gender affirming care for minors. So yes. the Senate Bill 1, which is signed into law by Republican Governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee. Who sounds like an old West villain. Yes. This, I mean, if that don't sound like. You just hear it, the spurs clinking and just like, here comes old Bill Lee. Maybe because of Lee's last name, but it sounds like a Confederate general. Bill it does, Lee. yeah. I mean, it's just Robert E. Lee, right? Uh, you know, which would be Bob E. Lee, yeah. Uh, but Bill Lee, same thing. Maybe it's a just a cousin or whatever. It sounds like uh, a villain. So he signed the bill in in March to set to take effect in July, and was so and was sued by the ACLU. Look, let me tell you something. The ACLU was out there doing things. They sent me an email earlier asking for a donation. I'm, I'm going to send them some money because mm-hmm. they out here fighting a good fight and they need our help. So uh, basically, the judge struck down the law, which was going to prohibit health care providers from performing on a minor or administering to a minor a medical procedure if the performance or administration of the procedure is for the purpose of enabling a minor to identify with or live as a uh, the, what their the minor's sex is identified as, because they identify sex as your genitalia, and that's not the same as Which gender. Which is so creepy. It's so creepy. Hey, hey, guys, how about we stop categorizing people by their genitals. Stop thinking about people's genitals. It's weird. Stop doing it. Especially when there are cases where people are born with both. But even beyond that, stop thinking about kids' genitals, weirdos. It is weird. But so the judge struck down struck down parts of it. Yes. Um, parts of it. He struck down um, in Wednesday's ruling, the U.S. District Judge, and this is all from uh, CNN.com. I know y'all people are going to be like, oh, you're only getting information from CNN. That's where this article is from, CNN.com. In yes. Wednesday's ruling, U.S. District Judge Eli Richardson. Now that sounds tr- like that sounds like somebody who fought for the union. Well, no, he's a Trump appointee. Um, well, which makes he was- even. Well, that, that is weird because usually Eli, that, sound, that just sounds like somebody who. It's a Southern name. 
It's a southern it, man. It, yeah, but it definitely just sounds like somebody who fought for the union. Well, he issued a preliminary injunction blocking the state's enforcement of a ban on such gender-affirming treatments as hormone therapies and puberty blockers. The ruling, however, allowed Tennessee to ban gender transitional surgery procedures. So basically, kids can still get the um, hormone therapy and puberty blockers, but they can't actually get the surgery. The surgery yeah, is done. But but honestly, and it this is just not happening for minors. Like I just don't see where there's widespread like surgical intervention on minors. I just, this is what I will say. And I'm probably going to take you back with my comment. I actually agree with this ruling in all aspects of it. Yeah. But because there's just no doctors that are, I don't see anybody saying to someone who is a minor and who doesn't, you can't even uh, sign up for, for uh, arm, you know, service in the army. You can't drink, you can't rent a car. You can, but you, you get, can, if you get, you can sign up for service in the army. I think if you're 17, if you get your parents consent, 16 and 17, if you get parents consent. But you still so, need your parents to sign off on it. Why? Because you can't make that decision is, yourself. But this is what they're trying to block is parent consent to get the surgery. And I am not for I am not for telling parents how to raise their kids. But at the same time, I am for telling them, hey, look, don't be telling the education system of what they can and can't teach your kids because they know better what's going to help your kids in the future than what you did. Like there's a reason why teachers go to school to study to be teachers. Parents aren't teachers. You can't just jump into the classroom and start teaching. You don't know what to teach. You don't know what's important. You don't know what actually you need that that leads later on the house in life. People swear up and down there was no reason for algebra, but I can give you many instances where algebra actually helps you. Serving for X, solving for X. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the weeds for this because we're running short on time. We already had a lot of time. And when I enter in the ads, oh, by the way, listen to I, the ads. I, I just need you to finish up your point because you were <laughs> talking about teachers and I thought we were talking about gender affirming care. No, the, the point I was trying to make was, is I'm typically like to stay out of making decisions for parents to have to deal with their kids. Right. I don't feel like there should be a that parents should have a right in deciding what their children's actually curriculum should be. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the government should be deciding what parents can and can't do with their children. Right. Cause where does it end as far as what you can decide with your children, with their bodies? Does, does it get to a point where you say, well, they're not of age to, to pierce somebody's ears? or they're not of age to give somebody tattoos. I'm of the uh, personal opinion though, mm-hmm. that sometimes people shouldn't be able to do certain things until they're at least of adult age. So I agree with the judge, don't have no surgery on your children to fully transition them until they're adults. Because that's not happening. It's just right, right. not happening. But like all you need is one case, right? All you need is one right. case. You just need and the then, one case, sure. But I, but what I'm saying is, it's just not happening. Like, it isn't happening, right? It's, not, it's happening. not happening. It's not happening. But also, 
there are, there will be, there will be, and it will be a minor case. There will be a parent out there that had all girls or had all boys and they just wanted, they wanted the opposite sex. So they're going to choose one of their kids to do it. To say that that would never happen. I can't say the things that would never happen, but it's that kind of what if scenario that fuels. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I normally it's argue against this. It's just not happening. That kind of what if outlandish scenario of, a, yes, there have been parents who have uh, dressed their children. I hate saying dress their children because clothing, clothing is not gendered, but dress their children as the opposite sex or something like that. Yeah, that okay. Has there been any cases out there where parents have allowed children, children to get tattoos? Yes. Okay. But that's that's not the same. That is not, that is not a life or death situation. Getting gender affirming care is a life or death situation. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the gender affirming care. I'm not opposed to the hormone therapy. I'm not opposed to the puberty blockers. What I'm opposed to is it having the actual transition surgery before you are an adult. But it's not happening. Not happening. It's not happening. But I am opposed to that. Just like I'm opposed to anybody getting a tattoo before 18. I feel like per- semi-permanent conditions. And even when you have the surgery to completely transition, it you can have the surgery to transition back. You can. Uh, it's not the same, but you can. You can get a tattoo. You can get it removed. You can, but it's not the same, right? Anything that is permanent, semi-permanent, I feel like you got to be in the dump. If you can't go fight and die in a war, which by the way, 18, you should also be allowed to drink. That's a different discussion. I feel yeah, like if, 18, I can, if I can hold a gun and fight for my country, I should be able to have right. a freaking drink. That's a different discussion. But if at 18, I feel like, okay, you want to do what you want to do or do you feel this is right for you? This is your choice. Absolutely. I don't, our minds aren't, mm, uh, I'm trying to. I think, here's what I think. Yeah, clean this up for me because I'm, I'm messing up. Here's I'm going what down I super think. Slope. Yes, you are. <laughs> I think that this conversation requires a trans person. Neither, yes, it does. It and, does. And so neither one of us are qualified to speak on their behalf. You're right. So, it's, just like, it's like white people talking about affirmative action. Right. Um, so, yes, this is good news. That bill really painted a broad brush for what is considered gender affirming care. Like when you read it out, that was a broad stroke. Well, that's what they're doing. They're attacking, they're attacking yeah. trans people. And there are twelve. There are twelve different states that have trans, anti-trans bills in the works yes. already. So if you live in one of them states and you're thinking about moving, now is the time. That's that's your call to action. But there's I a think lot of people. Judge, that, I, go ahead. I think the judge was smart mm-hmm. in in blocking the ban for gender affirming treatment, which is actually happening. Mm-hmm. That is. And is actually necessary. 
I was just and, bringing up the fact, my argument was that people should not make a choice that is permanent or semi-permanent and until you're like 18. I think that is between that person, their healthcare professional, and their parents. Yes. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, right? Right. But I'm just saying, but just in I generally think speaking. If we're talking about protecting children, we also have to talk about the increased rates of suicide among trans and gender nonconforming and non-binary children who don't get a chance to express their gender identity the way that they want to. Yeah, you're right. We really need a trans person uh, on here so that they can explain to me if you get the hormone therapy and the puberty blockers, what is your emotional state at that point? If you haven't, before getting the actual surgery to completely transition. Well, what you have to also understand is that a majority of trans people do not surgically transition. That's That's true as well. That's not always, that's not always the end result of that journey. So again, like I said, this conversation requires a trans person. Look, if you're, if you're a a fan of this show and you're a trans person, please contact us, please. Because I have been speaking about trans rights, but I have, this is a, this is a crass way of saying it, but I have no dog in the race. I'm just an, Mm -hmm a supporter, but I'm not trans. I actually don't know anybody that's really trans. Mm -hmm. I don't have any trans friends. So contact us, come on the show, explain to the audience what it is your life is like so that we can all get a better understanding of this. I will put you on the show. I will put you on the show. Um, cause I want to learn. I yeah. want to understand better. And if I'm wrong about this 18 year old thing and, and you say, well, this is the reasons why Jay, you know, I would be like, oh, I was wrong about that. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. That makes more sense to me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll admit it. Um, I'm not one of those people who believes that they're right all the time. I believe I'm right the majority of the time, but not all the time. So right. yes, I, like I want to learn. I want to bring you to my audience so my audience can learn because we're all ignorant to things that we don't know a lot about. And I can read, but that's still not, that's still not as good as getting it from a person that's actually living and experiencing it. Yes. There's no, there's no substitute for knowledge gained through experience, the lived experience. So yeah. Yeah. But this is a good thing. This is a good thing that struck down in Tennessee. Yes. In the South. Yeah. And how you spell the South on that one, Alan, is S-O-U-F. F, yes. Yes, yes South. South. Yeah. But on that note, Jay, uh, you got anything else you want to add to this? No, that was all I had in my notes. Um, yeah, that was. Yeah. That was, we, had a we, jam-packed, we had a jam-packed show. It was a, it was a, it was a good news week. It was a yeah, good news a good, day. It, <laughs> yeah, like, everything happened. Everything literally everything happened today. Happened today, so yeah. uh, we're pretty lucky. We had a lot to talk about. So this is just another reminder that we're off next week, but we will be back January 11th. Also, January. Liquid IV. I mean, July 11th, not January. We ain't taking that much time off. Not that. Also, much 
Get 20% off Liquid IV when you use unsolicited at uh, checkout. Get 10% off Wango Puzzles when you use unsolicited at checkout. That information will be in the description section of both the YouTube and and, and both the video and audio descriptions. Uh, there are sponsors now, so rock with them. Go and purchase that stuff. Support, I actually, support the podcast. I, I use uh, um, Liquid IV. I was about to say hydration IV, but that's it not is, what it's called. No, liquid. I actually use liquid IV, and uh, it's tasty, and uh, I, I use it before my workouts. So, liquid IV is the ish. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I use that too in my personal yeah. life. But yeah. Jay, what do you want to say to the people before our brief vacation? Yeah, we'll see you when we get back. We are going <laughs> to enjoy this. We are going to enjoy this time off. Uh, but we will be back, so don't worry. Yeah. My sister is out here talking like we don't like doing this. No, we love doing this. We love doing this. Yeah. We love doing this. But are we, do we also love vacation? I don't know anybody who would say that they don't. Yeah, right. Right. And just by the way, just by the way, though we will not be releasing any podcasts next week, Subscribe to our YouTube page because we're, there will be a bunch of videos that you can only get on on uh, YouTube dropping next week. So yeah. if you're missing us and missing some of our content, don't worry. There'll be content dropping on our YouTube page. We went over 100 subscribers. We only need 900 more. So, <laughs> so- <laughs> Don't say it like that, but it's true. I mean, to hit to hit triple digits like that's dope. Because yeah, no, I don't. I don't know a hundred people, so I know that it's literally people who are just fans of the show and following the show. Because right. I I know like three people. Yeah, and I know two of, two of them are my brothers. So um, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> everybody so, who likes and subscribes and all of that. Hits that notification bell and sees all the content that we put out. That's right. And share, share, like, share subscribe, it. comment, yeah. share. Let the people know out there. This is a week to catch up on all the podcasts. Everybody's going to be on vacation for uh, July the 4th. Thank you for listening. And on that note, I'll holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Peace.